you can choose to be oh so perfect or oh so present. Just be here. And if you, when you get it wrong, don't give in to the wish that you just like to be able to disappear and not exist mm -hmm. because your personal salvation does not hinge on you getting everything right. I'm Sawyer Witted. And I'm Scott Tress. Welcome to The Stories That Make Us. This podcast uses the tool of the Enneagram to explore the beauty and complexity of humanity through stories, both real and fictional. Some episodes, we interview live guests about their stories through the lens of their types. Other episodes, we'll dissect fictional characters to discover their types and learn more about ourselves in the process. Because the reality is, it can be hard to see ourselves accurately. The eye can see everything but itself. Thanks for joining us, and let's get to it. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. This week, we are giving you guys the other half of our interview with Isaac and Lincoln from the Arcadian Wild. We hope you enjoy this episode. If you have not listened to part one yet, you may be a little lost listening to this episode. Scott and I recommend that you guys go back and listen to part one of this episode, which was released last week. Enjoy. When we talk about the core longings of every type, it can be hard to recognize our core longing initially. Mm. We get so stuck in these patterns of behaving, of thinking, of feeling, where we reject the core longing because the core longing is too good to be true in a lot of ways. And that's how it feels. Mm. With the intersection of your art and your artistry as, as musicians with the Enneagram and with the core longing, how does the truth... For you, Lincoln, how does the truth that you are good and you are good enough? And for you, Isaac, how does the truth that your presence matters, how does that bolster your faith in what you do? And how does that maybe bolster your confidence in what you do? I immediately don't think of the ways that it bolsters it, but instead the ways that it crushes it. <laughs> mm. how, do you, how do you mean? We all experience like some level of imposter syndrome, but I feel like I tend to see that that core longing as too good to be true, like you were saying. Um, and uh, I feel like I constantly have to overcome whenever I do finish a song or like whenever I have something to, to share, I get like totally in my head about the right time to bring it to the table. So like, usually we do like our songwriting separately and then I bring it and then like Lincoln and I usually like take some time with it and then we take some time with it with Bailey, but it, it starts alone and then comes to the table. And I'm like, I'm always thinking about like, when's the appropriate time for me to like share this idea? Mm. Like when is it going to be like received in the best way? Yeah. I think that kind of goes to like, I want my presence to matter and I want like the voice that I have to be heard. And so I think that causes me to be afraid of it being rejected, you know, mm -hmm. and I hate showing songs to people mm. in my car because I, it's like, it just has to be the right person. It has to be somebody that I know is actually going to listen to the whole thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it just, it crushes me whenever I share a song with somebody and then they start talking to me halfway through it. And I'm like, I'm never going to show anyone a song ever again. Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, you roast your high school friends really quick. That just that quick story <laughs> where like you oh went my back gosh, home for yeah. a thing, and they were yeah. like, "Yeah, I'll let you. yeah, yeah, yeah." I went this home. This is so and, funny. I went home and hadn't seen my high school friends in forever. And there was a group of them that I was hanging out with, and they were like, "Isaac, how's the music stuff going?" And they they're like, "Play us, play us one of your songs. Like, play us your favorite song." And of course, I pick this just one of the most convoluted insane songs I've ever written. It's called Civil War. And it's not the most like, you don't really tap your foot to it. Kind of makes you think it's not the most listenable, I guess. And I don't really know why I chose that song. Maybe I just wanted to, to be impressive. But we were like sitting down and, you know, here I am thinking, okay, we're all going to like sit down on the couch and the speaker's going to be on and I'm going to press play and we're all going to sit here and listen to it. And then we're going to, you know, discuss it. They're going to ask questions or whatever. And so, I start play and like everybody kind of gets up, you know, like some people are, some of them are kind of listening and I think I'm beginning to learn who are the people that actually care about this right now. But then slowly, you know, just like 30 seconds goes by and now nobody's really paying attention. And then like a minute and a half in, it they just change the song. The song just switches. <laughs> and like no one says anything about it. I don't say like, oh, hey, I thought we were listening to that. It's just over. <laughs> We've moved on. I wouldn't have recovered. And like in that moment, yeah, like you can totally feel feel for me. But like in that moment, I'm like, yeah, these guys don't. They don't care at all. I'm never showing anybody any of my music ever again. And I like, wow. yeah, that's, and like, you know, to be fair, it wasn't like our style of music is not their cup of tea. And I, I yeah. knew that going in. But like, even with Lincoln and Bailey, it's like, I'm constantly trying to get a read on, is this the right situation to share a song with? And sometimes, sometimes I'm even thinking like, oh man, I was the last one to share a song. And like Lincoln hasn't shared a song yet. So, I don't need to share this next song that I just had until Lincoln has shared it. Yeah, that'd be very rude of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't want him to feel like, man, he's just like, ha- you know, having all these ideas or whatever. And I'm not having any ideas. I don't want him to go home and think that. And I mean, I do think that. So I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I think all that is to say the awareness of that core longing, my fear yeah, of it not being realized oftentimes mm-hmm. leads me to inaction and to just yep. more avoidance. Whenever you asked the question, like that was the first thing that, that came to mind. And I'm trying really hard to think of ways that it bolsters it. Can I maybe offer something? Yeah, please. And you can tell me if this resonates. The fact that you still share your songs, Isaac, I think proves that there is a still small voice inside of you that says that it matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're totally right. Which is true. And that's not selfish. And that's not vain mm. glory or vanity, right? That's just, you matter. And the things Mm. you have to say and the things that you bring forth and the things that you share with Mm. us matter. And we actually want to hear from you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have, whenever I describe my younger sister, she's three years younger than me. She's a nine. She's actually the one who introduced me to you guys. Shout out to Auburn. Come on. (laughs) But whenever I like describe her to people or talk about her, I always say she's one of the most wise people that I know because she listens and then when she speaks, it's like, whoa, everyone else be quiet. You got to listen to this. Mm. Like, you got to hear what she has to say. Mm. And I think part of that is the nineness, her nine lens of like, you take in all the perspectives, you make space for everybody. So you just know so much. And then I think you guys sit on things for a while. And then when you mm-hmm. bring it forward and we hear it, it's like, whoa, like <laughs> that's something that has gone through the refiner's fire already. And now is coming out this just mm. beautiful gold nugget. Anyway, all that to say, you matter. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Thank you. It definitely helps to be in a band. I think if I was a solo artist, I would mm. really struggle with that a lot mm. more. But it does help to be like in a group of people that I've known for a long time and care about me and love me and are like supportive and like yeah. help to champion. At a certain point in this process, the songs that Lincoln wrote become mine and vice versa. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely grateful like to not be alone in this. Yeah, it's huge. Because, um, yeah, it would be it'd be a whole lot harder. I probably would have quit. I probably wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. be doing yeah. it. So Yes. So good. Lincoln, how about you? How does it bolster? Let's be positive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of what you said was positive. You, you think so? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it, it's funny kind of maybe tapping into the stress and safety aspect of the Enneagram. Yeah, sure. I think there are lots of different dimensions of the job that Isaac and I do together. And I think they send, by the nature of the work, the work sends me in both of those directions at different times. Making records is generally stressful because I feel like we we kind of undergo this process of like a reckoning every time we get into the studio to record something because there's this microscope that's held up to what you've created when you try to capture it and document it. And you go through this process of, okay, let's run it again. Okay, let's spot check it. Let's do these sort of microscopic punches and and like fine tune the thing. And it's a really arduous process. And it's really, it's really vulnerable. And, and it kind of like strips you bare of like delusion of grandeur. Like, oh yeah, I'm like a very finite individual with very real limitations that I am encountering in a very real way in this process, you know, mm. and we butt up against the edge of ourselves every time we, we go in to, to make an album. I think that's really good for us. It's really good for me to have an opportunity to go in there and contend with myself and the work that I've done and to try and collaborate with people that I love to make something special and to have an opportunity to reach the end of myself and accept a limitation and just offer the best that I have to give at that moment. And it has to be enough. And that, like, we can't make it better than I can do. Cause like, that's just what I can do. And, and I think that's really, I think that's really helpful for me just in the ongoing process of my own formation. And, and it is nice as we've, as we've kind of alluded to several times throughout this conversation, it's wonderful to never be alone in that process. Like being part of a band is really great. Cause like if I'm kind of feeling frustrated about an aspect of the performance that I've captured while we've been recording, I can kind of take a step back and look at the larger context of what's happening. And like, we might be looking at a pass of a song that we're tracking where like Isaac just slayed something mm. on the guitar or like Bailey just had the nastiest solo break or like she had the fiddle chop like right in the pocket and it just like locks everything into place and it's just beautiful. And so kind of having an opportunity to recognize the giftedness of my teammates is really liberating for me because it affirms that I don't have to do it all by myself. And I don't, it like the integrity and the truth telling and the beauty of the thing does not hinge on me alone. 
And that is like absolutely for the best and really, really good things happen. And my comrades like cover over my insufficiencies really beautifully. And I always feel, I always feel really loved and really grateful. Like when we get like to the finish line of making a thing like that, I think more in the safety side of it, to be clear, like living, living life as a full-time touring musician is really difficult. There are so many things that people who haven't lived this life just like don't have insight into. It's not just like jumping in a van and like fooling around with your friends and then like acting a fool on stage at night and getting to, you know, travel to new exciting places every single day. It is, it is a grind. It is really hard Mm -hmm. and very, very expensive in lots of different ways. But every time we get to hop on stage, it's, it's sort of like, like diametrically opposed alternate reality that sort of mirrors what the work in the studio is. Mm-hmm. Because in that one dimension, we're trying to like capture this thing as perfectly as we possibly can and fuss over all of the fine details because it's going to exist forever. Right. And people are going to hear it over and over again. And if it sucks, they get to hear it suck forever. And so (laughs) it can't suck. Yeah. But like at the show, there's this wonderful freedom that we all get to experience. And I'm exceptionally grateful for it. Maybe especially these days after having experienced a long season where we weren't able to gather with people. Like we weren't able to be in real rooms with real oxygen, with real other people and kind of like share the same experience together. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so different night to night. Like no, no shows the same, no room is the same, no audience is the same. Even if we go back to the same place in the same city, like it's not Mm going to be an identical experience. The unique combination of people that come to join us every evening together, create this, this unique cocktail of experiences and spontaneous energy that's never going to be reproduced. And the same is kind of true for us. Like we're playing a lot of the same songs night to night, but like we're never going to do it exactly the same way. You know, not, not that like, you know, all of our music is like very improvised. Like it's very through composed actually, like where everything is like largely scripted and we're trying to, you know, like shake ourselves out and, you know, get more comfortable with doing things spontaneously in certain segments of the performance. But even with that, like it still doesn't happen the same way twice. And the freedom that I get to experience when we're on stage together, knowing mm-hmm. that like that vocal was really flat just now. Like I sang like way under the center of the pitch for that like whole two measures. And then that two measures is gone. Yes. Like <laughs> there's there's my whole life that happens after that two measures. <laughs> <laughs> And unless someone's like filming that particular moment and then puts it on Instagram stories, you know, like it's not documented. And I get to experience that thing like in the moment and then I get to leave it behind. Mm. And then, and then I get to look forward to the next thing. And then like maybe right after that little micro failure, there's this like wonderful triumph, like collectively as a band in the performance. And it's like, and then that like, that outshines and overshadows the the mistake I just made. Every time we get to play a show, it's like a wonderful invita- invitation to me to like let go of mm. my need to do things flawlessly or effortlessly. Yep. And it's it's an aspect of the work that I'm really grateful for, and it's fascinating to take inventory of the way that that's formed me over the last mm. you know 
10 years, maybe, and maybe especially like over the last couple of years as we've gotten back into it after being locked down for like 18 months. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. And just the fact that like anyone would spend time listening to what we have to say <laughs> mm-hmm. and then go out of their way, inconvenience themselves, leave their house, get in their car, like <laughs> go drive to a place, have to park and then like pay money to go into a room and to be with us for like 90 minutes to two hours <laughs> because they just like want to hang out and like listen yeah. to what we do. That's just the craziest thing to me. Amazing. It is funny. Like this is not directly related to your question, but I just want to mention it because I think it's hilarious. My wife Shelby and I recently started volunteering at our church with Mm -hmm. the youth ministry. And we're part of a group of these like adult volunteer coaches for a group of seventh graders, which I can't imagine being a seventh grader (laughs) in 2023, first of all. But it's been a really humbling experience because our job is to make music and to like travel around and people pay money that they've earned to like be in a room with us for like a fixed amount of time. And they're like hanging on every word. And one, that's like a really big responsibility. We have to remember to steward that really well. But that's really cool that we get to like enjoy that together and like hopefully, hopefully share something meaningful and truthful in the time that we have with those people. But like those kids, one, they don't know who I am and they don't know like what I do. They don't like, we haven't like really crossed that threshold. And even like once they know that I play music, they may not even like the music that we make. It may just like not be in their universe and that's fine. But like they do not care who I am or what I have to say. <laughs> it, is, it is so hard to get them to be quiet and to listen to each other and to us. And like, it's it's this wonderful reversal that like I'm getting to experience right now that like I'm used to like listening to me. <laughs> and these these small people do not, or they have no interest in doing that. And so again, I think it's another invitation for me to like, to not have this agenda of like, I have to like share this like really profound knowledge, mm-hmm. like in these, you know, like 45 minutes that we have with these students. But it's just like, yeah, just be with them. Just like make sure they don't kill each other, or like be mean <laughs> to each other and like try to be their friends and like just be available. But yeah, that That's was, amazing. that was a big rabbit trail, but yeah. thanks okay. for listening to me. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think <clears throat> what you were starting to touch on there bleeds into one of the final questions we wanted to get into, which is the idea of obviously for you guys in your story, it is very different than many people's stories out there. I mean, an interesting question is like, when we look at your lives, when you guys are looking at your story, what is the overarching theme that you see as your, as your Enneagram number affects the story that you're living? A nice light question. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. Soft finish. Yeah. Whoo. Themed. Yeah. <laughs> Theme to my whole story. One mm. sentence. Your whole life. <laughs> it all hinges on this. Yeah. Life is easy. We're going to decide whether we think you're an idiot or not based on the next fifteen oh, I, seconds. I've already decided, but <laughs> yeah. And you've you've probably decided yeah. accurately. Oh man. Scott, that's great. I feel like I feel like we we should just start. I might just start talking. Let's see what let's see what happens. Yeah, Go for it, man. Something good <laughs> inertia will come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like the theme, <laughs> I think since since I spent 
so much time like traveling around and I spend so much time in a room with people, with a lot of people, which might not be most nines experience. Mm. And I'm an introvert. And because I'm like, I just find myself so in tune with, with the people that are around me and I'm susceptible to losing myself in those people. And because my energy levels have a like really acute and like low threshold, I kind of have a, have a unique position where the very work that I do like pushes against that. And I get to like kind of rub up against that part of me on a daily basis. And whenever I do, most of the time, it's really, really rewarding. And I'm in a room with a bunch of people and afterwards I get to meet them. And I love that. It's such an interesting thing for me to like every night to be really excited to go to the merch table and like shake hands and have a conversation with with hundreds of people that have come to see us. I think if I were to take a step back, I would expect myself to get really, really exhausted by that. And I do sometimes, but I really, really love it. This is like very, very niche and kind of off the beaten path. One of my favorite movies of all time is Harvey. Have you guys ever heard of this movie? I've not. It is an old black and white American movie. One of Jimmy Stewart's films. Okay. It is very different. And I'm often very nervous to tell people about it because I think most people would not like it because it's just a very different movie. It's very slow and like kind of meandering mm. and in its pace and in its delivery. But it's it's really, really wonderful. It's about this man who befriends in a six foot tall, invisible white rabbit. And only he can see the rabbit. The rabbit's name is Harvey. Jimmy Stewart's character's name is Elwood. Elwood P. Dowd. And this rabbit becomes his best friend. And everyone in the town thinks he's crazy because Mm. no one else can see the rabbit. And the conceit of the movie is his sister tries to get him committed to an insane asylum to have him, (laughs) you know, taken care of and and have his mind cleared. And it just like leads to this series of hijinks, which are really yep. charming and amusing. But it's it's all like character driven. There's nothing like mm. flashy or spectacular about it. But it's, it's a really wonderful movie. I encountered it when I was really young. So maybe that's part of why I like it so much. It like, yeah. it just hit me at the right time. And I feel like maybe most people would have to like find it in that very specific window. But he's kind of this person who, when when people encounter him, they're just kind of awestruck by his presence. He's just like, he's a very, he's a very disarming personality. Mm-hmm. And people are just like puzzled by him. He's pretty polarizing. He's very charming. Or like people are very off put by his manner. Um, and it's, it's a really interesting progression. Mm. But one of my favorite scenes of that movie, he's talking to another character in the film. And he's recounting a conversation that he had with his mother when he was a young boy. Mm-hmm. And he says, my mother once told me, Elwood, in this life, you can be oh so smart or oh so pleasant. And I chose pleasant. And that's like a very kind of like identifying piece of his character in the movie. I think I love that because like, you know, part of the Enneagram one struggle is this like, <sighs> this delusion that I can attain salvation by being correct or like knowing the right thing or doing the right thing. 
which I think is maybe like well distilled and saying smart. Like if I'm smart enough, if I'm right enough, I'll be good. Um, and of course, like that's, that is a chasing after the wind. It's vaporous and that's never been attained by anyone except hmm. maybe one person <laughs> in human history. But, but yeah, that's just not on the table if we're living in reality. And maybe the more specified version of that for me is like, Lincoln, in this life, you can choose to be oh so perfect or oh so present. Mm. Mm. Just be here. Love that. And if you, when you get it wrong, don't give in to the wish that you just like to be able to disappear and not exist. Mm -hmm. Because your personal salvation does not hinge on you getting everything right. You just need to like, you just need to show up for your life and not like try to fade into the background or like fall asleep to things when mm. you fail because you're going to fail. You have failed <laughs> and like lots more is coming, but the people that care about you, their love for you doesn't hinge on that and they still want you and they need you mm. and, and you need them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's maybe one of, if not the yeah. overarching theme of the story that I'm kind of caught up in yep. as an individual beautiful is is like let's let's just be here let's not worry about getting it all right or correct let's Mm. just be here yeah i love how that relates or just ties perfectly into what you were talking about earlier about when you are on stage and performing and maybe you're off key for a little bit and then that time is gone and it's gone and you are continuing and you're finishing and there can be like beautiful satisfaction in the completion even though there was a moment of wrong I think that like it's just perfectly illustrates what you're just talking about. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think that what my experiences are teaching me to do is that I can trust other people to like help me to achieve the outer piece that I'm looking mm-hmm. for and also mm-hmm. to like trust my myself to achieve the inner piece that mm-hmm. I'm looking for. And what I mean is not like okay, I can do it, mm-hmm. but instead to just be like it'll happen. And I think that my experience traveling and playing shows and being on stage and being in front of people and then talking to them for hours at the merch table, listening to their stories, having them validate the things that I'm saying and, and just having an excuse to be extroverted and to, huh. to be with people and to be loud and boisterous and to like, I'm learning that I can be both of those mm. things that, that it's okay to like be in a room and be loud and socialize. But it's also totally okay to step out and just take a moment to myself. And I think that I'm inclined to be content with being alone. It's like being by myself because I really love that. Mm-hmm. And the more I just like meet more and more people and the more that I'm like vulnerable and like allow myself to open up to those people, the safer I feel to step outside, you know, like open the door and be like, okay, world, what do you have for me today? Mm-hmm. Maybe like out here, it's actually better than if I were to just like huddle up and in my room and hide away and not let anybody know where I am mm-hmm. and just be like, I'm at least safe here, you know, hmm. which I think is, that's where I want to go oftentimes. But every time that I step out, every time that I, I lean on another person, I'm better for it. That wouldn't happen if it wasn't for the job that I have and like the people that I get to do it with. And mm. yeah, I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. Mm. So. 
wage a war, trust the voice within my soul. <laughs> yeah, I got to speak up sometimes. That's Keep okay. The peace. <laughs> so good, man. It's so good. Guys, thank you so much for being on this mm-hmm. podcast with us. It, it was such a joy to have you here. Seriously. It was a joy to get to do this with yeah, you guys. Yeah, this, this was really fun. An absolute <laughs> treat. Yeah, you guys rock. Well, that ends this episode. Woo! This double feature. Yes. This two-parter. That was fun. <laughs> They're awesome. Yes, they are so awesome. This was also great because it was the first interview that you and I actually got to conduct yes. together. Yeah, it was nice to be a part of it, to yeah. uh, get to know these guys, hear their story. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. What was one of your favorite parts? Hmm. I think one of my favorite parts and what I love about the Enneagram and I think what has drawn me to it and kind of the whole idea of, of this podcast and one of the core components is getting to see the type lived out. Now, I think mm. for a lot of us, we know our type you know, intrinsically. We know maybe our spouse or our significant other or our best friend. We know these people we're close to that we kind of already know. So it's like interesting and we get a better language for it. But I think one thing that's really cool is getting to hear stories of people that we don't know that we know, okay, they are a one, they are a nine. And what does that look like? Because my understanding, say I don't know many ones in my life, I think it's really cool to see, okay, I've, I've read about what a one is. I know their core motivations, but what does that really look like in the real world when right. they have, you know, X job? It's like really yeah. interesting to see what a performer that is a one, what a performer that is a nine looks like. It's just, it's such a, a great eye opener to what it yeah. really means to be those types. Yeah. Well said. As always, if you wouldn't mind going on to rate now, what? We really like don't care at all if you rate us. So like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even care. All I don't right? even care. <laughs> um, I do because I'm needy. No, uh, please go and rate our podcast. Give please us stars. Yeah, please affirm me. No, if give you us. Want to hear this podcast? Give. <laughs> so aggressive. You just <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! That was quite aggressive. Are you a two? Um, <laughs> Jk. Rally. Yes, you know what to do. Please give us the stars on Apple, on Spotify. Share this episode with your friends as well for us. Mm-hmm. Also, do not forget to listen to their music and check them out on Spotify. They're also wherever you stream music. And their new album, Welcome, which is coming out this June. I know personally their music has ministered to me a lot. And so I'm sure that you will be blessed if you listen to it. It's really good stuff. Thanks again for listening today. And always remember, we need a tool like the Enneagram to grow in self-awareness because what you don't owns you. Be well, friends. Adios. It's just, I, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I didn't really love. <gasps> oh no. Oh, you didn't love what? What did you love? <laughs> <laughs> That was incredible. What a cliffhanger. That was that's my amazing, thing, I think. Wow. He's kind of back. <laughs> was that just the hey, end? Bud, he just he didn't here? love. He yeah. just didn't love. That was man. Mm, that's hard. That was rough. It's hard when you don't know how to love. <laughs> I think his alternate personality might have just yeah. shower murdered him. I, was just... I think is what just occurred. <laughs> Turned off the lights. That's why it's dark. Yeah. Kaboosh! Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was amazing, bud. Well, I'm gonna text him. That was well, am- that was incredible. I hope he hangs on to that thread. 
User is said, experiencing wait. some connection issues, but uh, oh, his computer died. He just. I was, just about, <laughs> I was about to say. I wonder if his okay. That answer. Okay, oh. I was gonna say like you need to leave some part of this in because that is yeah. the most Enneagram Nine thing to do <laughs> to like have a conversation like this and to not being paying attention to your computer batteries. I'll put leave in the, this put in. Put in the bloopers. It's going in the bloopers. Leave this in. This is a ama- like this is like perfect case study. Like Exhibit A, oh, baby. So that was, that was so amazing. Good. That was amazing. Um, While we're waiting for him, do you want to answer? Let me see if I can collect myself after that. That was great. When we talk about the Enneagram, I say that all the time. Why do I always say that sentence? When we talk about the Enneagram, (laughs) it's what we talk about. It's our podcast. It's literally an Enneagram (laughs) podcast. (laughs) That's fine. It's early on. People, maybe they forget. Maybe they forget. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'd forgotten. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks for that. Was this, was this about North Korea? I can't remember. Yeah, wait, yeah. What are we talking about? I yes. thought it was. South, actually. <laughs> um, mm. No. Uh, I don't remember what I was going to ask you. Um, when we talk about the Enneagram. Side note, oh. it's really fun to talk to you guys. Thanks for letting us do this. Yeah, sorry oh, for like just totally derailing everything by just all. being weird. No, it's this is so good. Yeah, it's been awesome talking to you guys. You guys are fun. <laughs>